Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'll be your host tonight, Chris Dangio. With me, we have Ernest Watts. Ernest, how's it going? It's going well. And we also have Paul Nelson Arnold. Welcome to the show, Paul. Man, you used my wrestler name tonight. Way to go. <laughs> and I Can I get everyone's uh, height and weight, please? Ooh, do you have oh, a yes. bell to ring if we give our weight height and weight? That, we don't want to copy everything. Oh, that's true. We won't copy everything. Oh. Okay. Paul doesn't believe it. I don't know why I'm giving. I'm six foot three and I'm down to 221. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. Yes, thank you. Fight and wait. Uh, fight for the title. Since he's the wrestler. Yes. I'm five foot 10, 211 pounds of fighting sports talk show pounds. I don't know. Excellent. And I'm five foot eight with Doc Martens on. And a soft 193. Ooh, Chris, man. Staying home with your kid and being married is added to your girth. I know. I know. It's more, I like to think of it as a low center of gravity. <laughs> You're like a Subaru SUV. People yeah. will buy them you just for the low. higher elevation. How could it be low center of gravity no, no, or higher gravity-wise? Oh, that's another that, podcast. That's, okay, we'll that's talk about it. the other thing is I, I think I'm you know hydrated all the time because you, you have to drink more out here uh, in Denver. So who knows? It's just water weight in my eyes. Well, tonight we have a plethora of topics from NASCAR to golf to uh, your NFL, NBA, maybe some college football. Uh, we'll get the uh, NASCAR and golf out of the way quickly. Which one is the worst sport to watch on a Sunday afternoon? Which one is going to put you to sleep the fastest? Uh, Paul, I'll start with you. I hate to say it because I used to live in the South, but NASCAR, except for the Daytona 500, puts me asleep a lot of times. Unless they're wrecking, I'm not caring very much. And golf is a close second. Unless it's a major, yep. I'm really tuned out. It's just it's boring, boring, boring. Now, if it's a three-hour show uh, for golf or for NASCAR, uh, at what point are you, are you out a three-hour show, yeah. I don't turn it in you... until the last half hour for either one of them. Yeah, but if you if you dedicated yourself, all right, I'm starting at the beginning. When are you falling asleep? <laughs> when am I falling asleep after I have yeah. a big meal, like lots of turkey? <laughs> yeah. you know, is pie, it like after like after that? after like thirty minutes of watching or an hour? Oh no, man! Like I have the superpower to fall asleep within ten minutes anywhere I am. <laughs> my wife it drives her crazy. As soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm gone. And even though she wants to talk about something important, I get in so much trouble because I fall asleep right away. <laughs> All right, Ernest, which one I'm are waiting, you falling asleep? I'm, to? I'm waiting to hear him start snoring here in the podcast. <laughs> okay. oh, but did you say hey. something? Yes, yes. Hey, three hour tour, you say, or? Three hours. Yeah, tour. isn't that the weather, isn't that weather started the... getting rough? The, yeah. yeah, I'm starting which to get Gilligan's Island. Which one? Oh, it's to... it's golf. It's because the voices in golf because that's they true. whisper now. Very. <laughs> I mean, that's just, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't know any sporting event that I watch the whole three hours. I mean, I flip around. I mean, that's what I'm addicted to to red zone. I mean, I just boom, boom, boom. It's hard unless I'm watching a team I root for, like the Panthers. Ernest has a commitment I sit and problem. Watch a game. I mean, that's that's it. I that I'm Red Zone's done this to me. 
I mean, it's it's. I'll flip around. I'll watch. This is sad, but I will watch a game. I will have another game in my picture in picture, and I will be watching a third game on my phone. So I watch three games at a time, particularly at football season. So you have sports ADD, is what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's the point of I guess because I've seen so much and I anticipate, and and I really turn for most games i turn the volume down because most of the chatter is so inane and useless there are very few i listen to aikman i listen to romo uh, i'll listen to uh college football there's there's a few guys i'll listen to what's your definition of inane i mean it's the useless oh uh this is the most important down in the game guy monday night football is horrible for that uh yeah Booger? It's just not Booger, the color guy. I just wanted uh, to say Booger. It just Tessator. <laughs> Tessator. Booger is the color guy. I know he is. That's well, yeah, great. You can yeah, say Booger Tessator. and I get in trouble. Yeah, Tessator. No, no, he actually is the color commentary. Oh, boy. Okay, now we're getting in there. <laughs> I mean, all right, all right. Moving on to NFL because we're already halfway there and probably well, halfway through the lawsuit. Of, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> From our sponsor, Pepsi. Enjoy a cold one today. Um, moving on to the NFL. Uh, so we've had a lot of highlights in the last couple of weeks, including a fight, which we may get into, but going into the season, I think it was pretty unanimous when everyone thought of the worst team in the NFL was the Miami dolphins. Uh, most recently they went on a two game winning streak. So my question to you, and we'll start off with Ernest is now who is the worst team in the NFL? Bengals. Yeah, without a doubt, the Bing and the Bengals brings up a trivia question: What college team has the most starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Because their starting quarterback is from that school. Ooh, North Carolina. You're close, North Carolina State. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, because they have Philip Rivers, Finley, Philip Rivers, Mike Russell. Don't, don't you count Russell Wilson? He is a Badger. He was there three years. He associates with the Badgers and Brissett. With the Colts, Ooh, there are nice four one. starting quarterbacks in the NFL from NC State, and a fifth, Glennon, uh, with Oakland is the backup quarterback. So you have five quarterbacks in the NFL from North Carolina State. That's but the Bengals are just a—I don't know and what I'll, they're going to do. I mean, they're just—and they brought this boy genius from the Rams, uh, who a 34-year-old Taylor Zach Taylor, who's a coach this genius they brought in and and they're just a train wreck. I mean, they were mediocre for the last 15 years with, with Marvin as, as the coach, but now, I mean, they, they're, and they will play the dolphins. So this, this will be resolved really easy. Like, but that brings up the other question, who are these teams tanking for? Because uh, not to anymore. Yeah, not, not to now. Not to Paul, who do you, who do you think's the worst? Well, you know, the beginning of the year, uh, one of our co-hosts, Nate's, always talking about the Cardinals, and I was a little worried they were going to have a bad year with Cliff Kinsberg came in coming there with no NFL experience. But he has really surprised me. That team oh, yeah. looks like they have real potential, and I don't know if it's all the just the energy of a new quarterback, new um, head coach. But And then the Oakland Raiders, too. I thought they were going to be bad this year with all – the drama with AB, but I mean, they've really pulled together a great season. So, um, 
The team that I see going south the, her, the fastest right now is the Detroit Lions because the, here you hire Patricia to come over to make you be the defensive genius, and they're the worst defensive team right now. Uh, they can't stop anyone. Um, so right now I think the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions would be like the toilet bowl right now. Whoa, whoa. Uh, what about the Redskins? They are garbage. But they've the got Jets, a win. The Jets. They got a win. The Jets. Oh, the Lions have a couple of wins. The the I mean the 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 Redskins Lions, got the Chiefs got the beat the, the crap losing. out of by the Jets. I think with that ownership and everything around that organization, I think it's. Uh, well, how about your Broncos, man? It's not good. Oh, they're they're bad, but they have no quarterbacks, so there's no hope and it's just like, okay, well, let's just try again next year when we get another quarterback and let's, let's just uh, run the same thing over and over until we have the definition of crazy. So, so at what point do you give up as a fan when you have a team, like once you know your team's not going to make the playoffs, do you stop watching them? No. And uh, you know, I, I heard this today and I thought it was genius uh, December football is like September baseball, where if you're not in it, you should be put, you know, you should be pulling every one of your prospects and having them play because there's nothing to play for and you have to know what you have. So I, I would think the Broncos or anybody, the lions, anyone, the, uh, the pan, no, the Panthers are pretty much out of it. Uh, anyone who is out of it in December statistically or mathematically, I think you need to play all your prospects. What do you guys think? I don't know. I mean, you got players like we've got McCaffrey and, and we got Luke Keekley and, and uh, you let them play. I mean, McCaffrey is his chance of having a historical season. But when you talk about lost seasons, I mean, me and Paul pretty know that from experience. The Lions went 0-16. Uh, 2001, the Panthers went one in 15, won the first game against the Vikings in overtime and lost 15 straight. That was the the infamous Chris Winkie uh, era, well-known in our history. So I we've both endured, I don't think the Broncos haven't had a season like that probably since the 60s. But we've endured that type of season, and you just enjoy the performance of players. You, you're going to have all pro, pro players on your team, and you enjoy that. And this you know, football is that rare sport where unlike baseball, basketball, and, and hockey is very similar to football in this extent, you, you can't cruise, go in cruise control because you'll get hurt. If you're not going all out, if you're not committing physically and mentally to the sport, you can be injured to the extent that you'll never play again. Now, baseball, you can sit there and you can take three strikes and move out. In basketball, you can not play defense and just stand around on offense. But but in football and in hockey, the same extent, because of the physicality of the sport, you, you can't take time off. And I don't know about playing young guys because that, that's that's taking a risk. I mean, it, it's hard for rookies to shine. You stick with what you got. These guys are getting paid a salary. And unless it's somebody in the last few years, unless it's somebody in their late 30s, you, you play who you got. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think also Ernest made a great point, but also realize NFL plays fewer games than baseball and hockey and all those things. So each game really matters. 
And even though your season, you're not making the playoffs, you have to build towards something. You know, that's why football coaches talk about systems and cultures and things like that. And they're given years to get it going. And so I think football um, fans will also really enjoy a great upset when they're not supposed to win. So when uh, Titans beat the Kansas City Chiefs, they'll hang on to that. And so the psyche of a football team, they need to believe that their coach hasn't given up on them and they're building for next year even, even though it sounds sort of silly. Um, but I think that's you throw a young player out, you can ruin his confidence. The whole team just gets really discouraged. And, boy, a football locker room full of really angry 300-pound men is not a pretty sight. So a coach can't lose the team that way by giving up. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, in, in researching for today, I was looking at last year's uh, who made research? the playoffs. Really? Well, I, you know, it was a slow day in the office. Um <laughs> So, so uh, I was looking at last year's playoff picture and uh, who's in, who's out, and then looking at, you know, uh, who's planned to be there this year. So last year, our playoff picture in the NFC was uh, the Eagles playing the uh, Bears. And then you had Both Seattle. Out. Both out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you got Seattle against Dallas, and then you had the Saints and the Rams. Rams are out. Uh, yeah, you could argue three out of those teams are not going to make the playoffs. And then on the other side, you had the Colts, the um, Houston uh, Texans, the both could get Los in. Angeles Chargers out, the Ravens. And then Kansas City and the Patriots, which it seems like it hasn't changed too, too much for that. So I guess uh, speaking of from last year and now talking about this year, who's your biggest surprise team uh, maybe on the cusp or uh, of making the playoffs or going to be in the playoffs or your biggest disappointment? So who's your biggest surprise, either positive or negative for this season? My biggest disappointments are the Bears and the Chargers. I think we're seeing the end of Philip Rivers. They're talking about Tyrone Taylor possibly playing before the end of the year. This is a guy who had a funky throwing motion to start with. He he won more on his guile than his physical talents. And the last two games have been uh, upsetting to watch a guy that now I've never thought he was a Hall of Famer. I always thought he was overrated, but it, it's – it's kind of like it, it reminds me of the last five regular season games that Peyton Manning played when he could not throw the, the you know the the where you'll see a quarterback decline is not accuracy deep it's the down and out pass to the sidelines when he can't hit that accurately that's when you know the arm's gone so that's and I guess for a surprise. The Vikings, because I pretty much put a stake in their heart at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the Vikings and in the AFC, uh, Raiders. Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking. They've got one foot out the door. I mean, they're already printing up Vegas Raiders T-shirts. And usually when a time is – and it's – I hey, hold credit to Chucky 
and the fans because they're still coming out and they know the team's already out the door. So, I mean, they're one game out of first place and they're a solid wild card team. But those, oh, yeah. those are my four. Paul, who are your disappointments and surprises? Well, I'll stick. I, I've already said the Raiders, but let me do two surprises. Um, I was, I'm been surprised how well the Buffalo Bills have played. I know yep. it's, it's been coming for a long time. But it's actually happened, and to see them play so well has been sort of enjoyable just to see that fan base get another chance because if you think about loyal fan bases, Buffalo's got to be right up there. And I remember one time I was going to move near Buffalo until I looked at how much snow they got. <laughs> oh, and so instead gosh. I ended up in North Carolina near Ernest, so it was destiny, Ernest. Good destiny. call, good call. Um, the second team may not be a surprise to you guys, but the Packers. I wasn't sure their new coach, Lefevre, or whatever his name is, was going to work out because he's like a year or two older than uh, Rodgers, and Rodgers is sort of difficult. And then to begin the year, their offense was sort of stagnant and their defense was carrying them. And now they seem to been just make it work out. And I don't know what kind of Jedi magic this coach has on Rodgers, but for the most part, Rodgers has behaved himself and in the NFC Central, which looked so strong to start the year, the other teams have faded away, and the Packers look clearly better to me than the Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins looks too iffy. It just um, He has very few games where I really like him now. I mean, most of the time, he has to figure out ways to win, and you can tell that where they've really gone to the run with the Vikings. So the Bills and the Packers are surprisingly good to me this year. Paul, I think there's a Paul. lot. I was going to say, his name is Lafleur. Lafleur. Yeah, Lafleur? Like the hockey player? Like Guy Lafleur, like, Lafleur. Uh, like Peter uh, Lafleur in uh, Dodgeball. <laughs> That's Remember right. Dodgeball? I never saw the movie you know, Dodgeball, oh, man. Oh, never, oh classic. Okay. Classic. Yes. No, I like all those. And actually, you know, I I, I was looking at the, the list, and it just there's a lot of teams that have – just really either reverse their course or just really done something. I would say mine, my two are the Colts because you think of what happened, what a week before the season started is their quarterback retired. I, I just the dynamic of that, that whole change and how they've come out and uh, they're in the playoff picture right now. And then but Frank, uh, Frank Reich is a good coach. You got to oh, remember Frank, he's, he's but, fantastic. And I think, I don't think the quarterback, uh, was everything on that team. I think they built a lot of things around him, but just the fact that you had this, this, you know, fantastic, this hall of fame, you know, future quarter or hall of fame quarterback. If he would have stayed in the game, uh, you lose him just, you know, on well, something that no one's ever seen before that they just, he, he walked away because of, uh, you know, it just, the, the injuries were becoming too much and he was so young. So I think, I don't know. I was just very impressed on how they responded to that. And then well, the look other at the Eagles the record. Look at the Eagles record since he left as offensive coordinator. Yeah. You know, everybody will say Foles and all that, but they had Foles last year. Yeah. And since you know, since Frank Wright left the Eagles as offensive coordinator, they have a sub five hundred record. Yep. Lastly was the Rams, uh, just how much they've fallen and how much people have figured them out. So not sad about it, but uh, you know, they they had a they had their run, and it, it then looked like it's coming back anytime soon. And maybe they've paid their wrong, the wrong players, and it's going to hurt them for a little bit. So, uh, last last item for NFL, 
Uh, I'm sure there's been plenty of talk about the fight with uh, the Steelers and uh, the Browns. I'm so happy that they get to do it again in two weeks because I think there's going to be a lot of penalties. It's going to be a very tight, uh, tightly called game. Just a simple, simple question to you guys. Do you think the NFL got it right with the penalties that were distributed? Paul, I'll start with you. Well, first of all, Miles Garrett just lost it. But if you watch the replays, um, Rudolph was messing with his helmet first, and they were both tussling. And my first reaction was, what is Rudolph doing? Is he trying to motivate his team or trying to prove he's a tough guy? And why would you mess with Garrett, who's just scary to begin with? And then it went to a whole nother level with the helmet. And what I thought at the time, like, is I've never seen that before. I've seen people punch each other. I've seen people stomp on each other. But I've never seen a helmet used like that. And I think with everything being replayed all the time on SportsCenter, the NFL just freaked out. Um, my sense is this is he'll be out um, the rest of the season and back next year. Um, and Rudolph did an interesting thing today. He apologized for his part of it. Um, so I think the NFL bans him the rest of this year. I think that'll be good enough because you can't start this road of saying, okay, it's only three games to use uh, a helmet as a weapon in your hand. I mean, they use the helmet yeah. all the time tackling somebody, but it was just so graphically out there that here you got one guy without a helmet being crashed on top with the other helmet. Good thing he didn't catch him, you know, flush with oh. the helmet. He sort of caught him glancing, but uh, I think the NFL is doing all right. They haven't come down with the verdict from the appeal today. And Ernest, what do you think? they'll come back after the appeal with. I think they'll leave it an open suspension for Garrett until next year, and he'll have a chance to redeem himself over the summer and possibly come back. This has happened before. This is like the third incident since the turn of the century. Boy, I sound old, but we're getting near the end of the decade. The turn of the but century, huh? Yeah, yeah. When they had leather helmets? No, no, I'm talking about 2000. Oh, okay. I know you're old, but I'm just trying to catch. Yeah, 2000. Since, oh, okay. This is the third instance. This has happened since 2000. So this is not new. I think if this had been a 1 o'clock game, very little had been told. I mean, the fact that it was a Thursday night game and it was the stage for everyone to watch, that's what you know, it made. And again, Garrett has a history. Uh, he's had these kind of penalties before, and and. I think that's what got into it a little bit. I, I think he's gone the rest of the season. Uh, if he shows some contrition, maybe he'll be back in the beginning of next year. But why either one of them were in the game, I have a question also because the game was over. Let the third, second string quarterback play. Why is Garrett in there at the end of a meaningless game? I, I Both coaches. I mean, this pretty much Freddie Kitchens needs to really get his resume ready because he's history. Yeah. He's gone. And that, that brings up a question I've got to ask you, and Paul can turn it around on me too because we're talking about our particular teams. Is Matt Patricia toast? No, he's not toast. Uh, the owner, Matthew um, Matthew Ford, Martha Ford, um, is going to give him another year uh, because they've totally bought into this, how can we recreate the Patriot way here with their Quinn, the GM, and uh, Patricia, I think the bigger question for us around here is should they shut down Matthew Stafford, who's been incredibly durable and tough 
and still wants to play. But we think, for what at this point? Mm -hmm. He's injured. He's got broken bones in his back. And the backup quarterback is getting good experience. And they almost won this last week against Dallas if they would have had a better defense. So that's the question here in Detroit, not Patricia. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'd let him sit out, and and I love Ron Rivera, but he's 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 gone. You've got a new owner. He wants to bring in his own people. The GM's probably Urban gone. Urban Meyer. Urban. Meyer. No, it's uh, oh. David. Probably, the name I hear is David Shaw, the Stanford. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I could and, hear that. I think Butch Davis that's, is that's, available too. Yeah, Butch can stay up. No, Butch has got a job. Butch is at Florida Atlantic. University That's a job, coach? really? Yeah. <laughs> He's a college coach. He did so well with the Browns. Now, he did get the Browns to the playoffs. Maybe we should have a segment. That's not a job. That's, a, that's, that's our trivia. Job. That's our trivia question. That's who a sympathy only, face. Who is the only coach to get the current Browns to the, the playoffs? And it's Butch playoffs. Davis. That's because they yeah. gave them, what, eight years? And now they give co- these, you know. They give uh, one in thirty-one coaches two years. So. Well, it's it's almost getting like hockey, you know. In hockey, they hey hey one bad week and you're gone. Coaches well, get fired. I mean, ask the Maple hockey. Leafs coach or ex-coach, yeah. I should Babcock say. got fired Stanley by his Cup. old player. Yeah, Stanley Cup winning coach with the Red Wings. Maybe he'll come back to the Red Wings. Maybe I'll get. Wouldn't him. be the worst. <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst. All right, switching gears. The NBA. I got a I got a trivia question for it too. Since Why David, am I not surprised? Well, if David's listening, maybe this one's for David. Okay, David is listening. We know that. Uh, both of you can try. Who is the? Uh, there have been two NBA players who have won an NBA championship and a World Cup championship in the same year. Uh, Mark Gasol of the Toronto Raptors is one of them. Who is the other? Say that one more time. There have been only two NBA players who have won a World Cup championship in basketball and an NBA championship in the same calendar year. Marc Gasol did it this year. Spain won the World Cup. And, of course, Toronto won the NBA championship. Who is the other player? All right. I can't remember his name. He was played for the San Antonio Spurs, and he was from, like, uh, Ginob- Ginobili. Ginobili. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, who's the other kid? The French guy. Uh, Parker? Parker, Parker, yeah. Nope, no. not him either. Hey, you could go all day. You'll never get Lamar Odom. What? Oh wow. Lamar Odom. Oh, interesting. Wow. This is before Kardashian. The, the, the yeah, and this is before he went into a. Uh, well, we won't get into what he did. <laughs> yeah, him uh, and the owner of the Patriots. Addiction serious addiction problems. So. Yeah. Uh, just he was a transcendent player, and when he was at Rhode Island, he played one year as a freshman. He was considered to be the next Magic Johnson, and when he was drafted by the Clippers, he really was put in a position as a scorer, which he never was. He was a a he was a complimentary player and did very well as the Lakers as a complimentary player for Shaq and for Kobe. All right, back to the NBA. Sorry, didn't speaking, mean to take it off rails. Speaking, speaking of, of the NBA, of a great fall. Oh, how far have the Warriors fallen? Do you think this? Uh, I don't think their injuries are planned, but I don't think it's a the worst idea that they're going to tank this year and and 
maybe get a lottery pick and then next year everyone's going to be afraid again. What are you guys' thoughts? Wind up with James Wiseman, who uh, I'll have to bring up to Paul, only a 12-game suspension when Paul thought he would be Okay, you're right. NBA. You're right. I bow okay. down before your greatness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, you get the number one college center prospect of the last five years. Not a bad little setup, especially if they can turn around and trade D'Angelo Russell for another lottery pick at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Paul? People are really enjoying their fall from grace, aren't they? Oh, too yeah. much almost. Yeah, I wouldn't beat up Golden State at this point. I mean, NBA, you can't stay on top when you have that many injuries and then when Durant leaves. I think the more interesting thing to me when Durant's been talking a lot about how um, why he left the Warriors and his least favorite player on the Warriors, what made a really big difference and make me think that Durant's sort of thin-skinned, and I don't know how that's going to play in Brooklyn. He is thin-skinned. You remember he had a burner account? So he oh, could yeah. criticize all the other players in the NBA. And for those of you who are my age, your burner account is a fake account under a different name. <laughs> Sorry, that's Way for, to the, educate. That's Way for to the AARP educate. listeners. Yeah, your name's not really Ernest, is it? No, it's not. That's, but, uh, yeah, he's, he was thin. Look at the criticism he in Oklahoma City. He took that personally. Yeah, I mean, Draymond, I mean, let's face it. Thompson and Curry and Iguodala, all these players are have developed a toughness that you have to have to compete for a championship. And, and Durant, great player, Hall of Famer, but no, he doesn't. He's not a leader. He he wasn't the leader. He might have been the leading scorer, but he wasn't the heart and soul of that team. That was Curry, and that was Thompson, and that was yeah. Draymond. Um, so this week marked the 15th anniversary of what memorable event in the Brawl NBA, the can you name it? Brawl at the Palace. Brawl at the Palace, the malice in the palace at the palace. Uh, what I saw was a brawl. It might have sounded like malice, but there was, was punches. A malice. <laughs> you got to make a rhyme. I, I saw worse stuff in the 60s. I mean... Uh, there was a guy getting the, getting into the stands and punching oh, fans. Yeah. Oh you yeah, things worse in the sixties. You remember when Charles Barkley spit at the small child on the baseline? <laughs> when Barkley picked up a photographer and threw him through the plate glass window? Yeah, I mean uh, Rick Mahorn and uh, 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 Bill Lambeer. Yeah, I see a lot worse stuff. That I mean, the only thing that was a national game. On Friday night on ESPN. But now I've been watching the NBA since 1962. Okay? And I have guarantee you, back then, of course, the crowds were half. Were they down. Were they still using, like, um, the ball with the seams on it? Was it an actual basket? Yeah, had a peach basket that take the pole to pop the ball out? Yes. <laughs> and How that, old were you at that point at 62? You were six years old? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's when the Celtics were in their their height in that respect. But yeah, I mean, there's they were like every team had a thug. I mean, the Celtics had the guy by the name of uh, Jumbo Jim Lutzikov, but every team had a the equivalent of the the hockey guy, the you know the the uh, guy the instigator. Every basketball team had a an instigator in it at that time. I mean, you only had eight or nine teams 
at that time, the league was a lot smaller. And you had these thugs who couldn't dribble. I mean, Chuck Connors, really, I'm pulling a name from the past here. Chuck Connors, who was the rifleman, who was an actor, did that for the Knicks and for the uh, Celtics in the late And you 50s. can see him on MeTV or yes, yes. I mean, he would just go <laughs> in and start fights. And that was, like, again, the malice of the palace, even though going into the crowd, I think that was because it was on national TV. What happened to Meta World Peace? Is he still around somewhere? He's, he, you'll hear him, he'll, he'll Twitter sometimes, but, you know, it, it's, and again, that's another guy that when he was at St. John's, you thought he was going to be a transcendent athlete. But so, no, that, no one came out good out of that, did they? From either one of the teams, except Jalen Rose. Yeah, because uh, um, uh, Reggie Miller was on the bench. He wasn't playing that game. Oh, yeah. Reggie don't fight. Reggie, <laughs> Reggie, Reggie's a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> so I was thinking, what, what are some, and I think we've heard all of Ernest's, but uh, what are some memorable NBA moments that just, not necessarily it was a game winner, but just, weird something way out of the ordinary that you've seen at uh, in the NBA. Paul, I'll start with you. Well, this is really not my wheelhouse, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot, man. Um, the Boston Celtics when I was growing up were really great, and John Havlicek was this guy who came off, six-man off the bench. And if you're anywhere over 45 or 50, you know what I'm talking about. And he would come out, and he'd look slow, uh, his hair was over his eyes practically, and he sort of fell around, but he'd always make the great shot. And Boston Celtics, Boston Garden, with that parquet floor, had different um, dead spots to it. And he knew where the dead spots were. I mean, the way they screwed that floor together, uh, it was just amazing. And watching him win, and I remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to go there with the Lakers and just get so frustrated with playing there and it wasn't until magic johnson came along did they really get past that time where boston just had their number so if you can think of how great golden state has been think that times maybe two with the boston celtics in their prime and so it used to always be boston celtics and we haven't talked about them at all this year and in a lot of ways they could be the team this year if they finally put everything together I got a great Boston Celtics story. 1977, it's the NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns. It's game five. It's gone into triple overtime. The Suns are down by one point. Boston has the ball. It's under 10 seconds, no shot clock. They intentionally foul. The guy hits one. No, no. They call an extra timeout, and they get a technical foul for it. And they Boston hits the free throw, ties its two-point lead. Celtic, the Suns get the ball back because unlike college basketball, after technical foul, it goes back to the other team. They hit a shot, Gar Hurd, at the top of the circle. Dick Pavetta was the official. He called it good. A fan jumped out of the stands, started beating up Dick Pavetta, the official, slamming him with his fist, grabbed him by his shoulders, and slamming his head on the ground. This is a championship series. Ernest, this, Ernest, you got to control yet. yourself, man. You shouldn't have been there. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> it was just amazing to see this guy assaulted on national TV, this official. And that was worse than Malice in the Palace to me. 
because that was a fan initiating violence on the court itself. That's my selling source. So that's the strangest. I guess that's the strangest. Uh, and Shaq blowing down the backboards. Remember when Shaq yeah. destroy the backboards? Destroy the backboards. He, he would yep. take his weight. I saw a guy do that by the name of Gus Johnson who played for the Baltimore Bullets. And he destroyed two. And back then, the NBA was more of a you know nickel and dime outfit. They had to replace it with the old wooden backboard, not the clear one, but the wooden backboard, the kind of the fan with a rounded top to yep. finish the game that way. Uh, mine would probably be seeing Sean Kemp in a Cavaliers uniform actually uh, playing well and, and leading the Cavs because uh, I don't think I ever saw him at an appropriate weight that he should have ever played basketball when after he left the <laughs> The uh, Supersonics. How much do you think he weighed at that point? And Cleveland? He might have been three bills. You know, he had like 15 kids at that point. Yeah, it's a little sympathy way. He was trying way, to you catch know? up to his hero, Walt, Ch- Walt Chamberlain. <laughs> well, you know, you, you bring up Cleveland. That reminds me of Ricky Davis. When he played with Cleveland, he was like one rebound short of a triple-double. It was the oh, end he of the threw, game, he and he up, threw yeah. it on his own basket. Oh. Uh, the other, he threw it on his own basket to get the rebound to get the triple-double. Yeah, what a loser. All right, last Last major topic of the evening, NCAA football. You know, we couldn't do one week without it. So our rankings have come out. We have LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, the top four. Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma, rounding out the top eight. Who are you guys seeing as uh, last in, last out? Oh wow! You want to rephrase that a little bit, or who do you who do you think is currently in uh, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, Louisiana? That is probably out. Mm. And out of Alabama, Oregon, Utah, Oklahoma, who do you think is going to be in? Well, according to <laughs> oh, start first now. <laughs> Please take us away. Georgia is going to lose to LSU, so they're out. They'll have two losses. Yeah. Uh, if Oregon can beat the Pac-12 championship. Oregon in an outside chance. If Oklahoma can beat Baylor twice, which was a great comeback. Uh, I, I think the fact that they won't have a conference championship and they'll have one loss like at least two other teams will knock Alabama out. Yeah. Do you, do you guys think, or Paul, go ahead. No, I totally agree with Ernest. Ernest has my full confidence. <laughs> so you guys think no matter what, Clemson is in, even though yes. they have a sorry schedule. I, I got Clemson yeah. going the whole way. I yeah. got Clemson national champion. Why am I not surprised? Well, I just I, I told you this last year. I mean, I think they're rounding in. They know how long the season is, and they're starting to get motivated. They're starting to work things out. And injury-wise, they're in great shape. I think uh, now they're – probably going to face Virginia in the ACC championship and Virginia is a little beat up, but yeah, uh, they're going to be undefeated. They're, they're probably going to be the third one and they'll probably play Ohio state. Speaking of Ohio states, Paul, do you think Michigan or Penn state have any shot of knocking off Ohio state? 
I think Penn State is going to lose pretty bad this week because their secondary was exposed by Michigan in the second half. And then um, also Minnesota also exposed them as well. Um, and now Ohio State coming to Michigan, as much as everybody who listens to this podcast know I'm a Michigan fan, I think it's going to be a really tight game. Uh, but Ohio State seems to recruit and to schedule and manage their game for Michigan all year. I mean, they start at the beginning of the year creating plays and things. And they, if you don't know, they got the defensive coordinator, Greg Madison, from Michigan and another guy who did the defensive line from Michigan as well. So I think they're going to roll all the way to the championship game. And I think they'll get all the way to the finals. And I think they'll get all the way to the finals – Maybe against LSU, but it's the question is how are they going to pair up? And Ernest may be right. It may be Clemson um, matching up with uh, who did you say again? Um, Ohio State. It's Ohio State, State, and I say Oregon would be playing LSU. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But uh, Ohio State could give Clemson a good run for the money. I think. Aren't you encouraged how it seems that finally Michigan? offense is becoming a little bit more diversified. It takes a while. you got a new offensive coordinator from SEC country. And uh, the last two games, to me, and I'm an outsider, it just looks like the offense looks a a lot smoother than it did the first three weeks of the season. So here's a little Homer talk that Chris will appreciate. Around Ann Arbor this week, they beat uh, Michigan State last weekend by a good amount, 44 to like 10. And uh, Shea Patterson, the quarterback who came over from Mississippi, uh, has looked better than any time he's looked before. But there were still fans calling into the radio shows complaining that his passes were off target. Oh, yeah. The receivers had to turn around to get them or he didn't hit them in stride which I can see at times. So Michigan fans are so paranoid that they have to be perfect to be Ohio State that any little thing they can complain about, they will, instead of enjoying the moment. What I liked seeing after that game is Harbaugh and his team really seeming to mesh and feel that uh, cohesiveness that, like, hey, we're finally clicking. And I think confidence is as important as a big previous win. I mean, that they're going into this game. Now, the setup game is Indiana before that. Indiana's 7-3. and three. They barely lost to Penn State. They're playing Michigan at home, so Indiana's going to have Michigan at home. So everybody's talking about it being a trap game. Can you think of any other trap games this weekend, Ernest, for some of the top teams? That's about the best one because I, I agree with you. Indiana is underrated. I watched a little bit of the, the Penn State game, and I think that is a big trap game more than anybody else. I mean, Clemson doesn't play until they play South Carolina, which uh, that's next week. So they're off this week. They have a bye week. Uh, LSU, I don't really think that's a trap game either. They've got a pretty easy schedule, A&M and Arkansas. Arkansas is probably the worst team in the SEC. LSU but, plays Arkansas, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, that's a bye week game. So, no, I don't – I don't. And Oklahoma doesn't have anybody hardly either. I mean, this that is the, the, the bye week. But that brings up another point that, that I'm going to get both of you guys kind of uh, – spiel on it your your feeling about this clifford the quarterback for penn state has had to get off of all social media because he's had death threats which is ridiculous for a top 10 ranked team your starting quarterback being threatened by his own fans and 
I mean, there's just an element of, you like fandom. We all root for teams. We live and die with our teams and we die more times than they live. As Dean Smith used to say, uh, it's just, I know everybody has this access to athletes now, which is unparalleled with social media and, and, and everything, but it's ridiculous when, when people, and I hope there is, the the whoever the law enforcement is they can prosecute whoever's made these attempts but the people who hide behind the anonymity of social media to threaten a 20 year old kid because he threw an interception and you've lost one game the entire year is the height of cowardice these are individuals who need to they're not fans they're sociopaths who have traded another tool to get out of their meager despaired lives in which they obviously are full of anguish and self-despair and it is sickening and it needs to stop sorry i'll get off my pedestal now so Ernest, before i get off that tell me how you really feel <laughs> i mean it's it's ridiculous in these days when and it's adults these aren't college kids doing this these are grown adults who think because they pay a little bit as a rooter or because they have a bumper sticker that roots for their school, they think their team is innocuous and can never win and never can make a mistake. And these these kids who are unpaid, Paul doesn't want me to get on that horse, but these unpaid kids uh, cannot make mistakes and can't be human. And this is ridiculous. And again, uh, I'll say it again, these people are sociopaths. That's all they are. All right. Well, Paul, do you have any final final thoughts for the the podcast tonight? Well, first of all, Chris, thanks for hosting way out there in Denver, Colorado. I'm in Dexter, Michigan, and Ernest is somewhere in North Carolina. We won't say because somebody might track him down. Yeah. We, well, we need we need theme music. We need to play Rocky Mountain High. For- yeah for Chris, not because what we were discussing before we got on air. Uh, in my mind, I'm back in North Carolina by James Taylor for me. No, so let's, you know, the royalties know is, are too high, man. I, can I find a cheap okay. version from cheap China? version of that, or we'd sing it ourselves. Now, I'm, what would be the theme song? I mean, I know a lot of Eminem. I mean, could we do 8 Mile? Yeah. I mean, what would, be the, what would be your theme music, you know, for, for, for Michigan? I mean, Hail the Victors, of course, but, you know, need something a little bit more Hey, when you got the best fight song in history, you don't go messing with it, man. But I could be—you know—I could think of something from Motown. It could be Motown. Motown, but you know the difference when "Hail the Victors" as opposed to all the other uh, alma maters, all the other songs. It's the only one that sings after a victory. All the other songs, all the other the Notre Dame, those are always before the game. Hail no, the they play the victors all during the game, man. But, but the words to the song are talking about that you've already won the game. Because we're Hail arrogant. Victors. Well, you said that. I, I was telling, I was pointing out a difference. You're the one who's got to go there, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's unique. It's unique, yeah. yeah. There you go. But so you we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Yet. I thought Chris might talk about what we're looking forward to eating for Thanksgiving and um, our favorite foods because there's a lot of guys out there who will eat a big meal. And one lady wrote that it takes six hours to prepare a Thanksgiving meal and only 12 minutes to cook it. And that happens to be the same amount of time for a college football halftime. So That's right. 
yeah. So any famous traditions that you guys have for for your Thanksgiving? Oh yeah, I go uh, Thanksgiving night. I go to Walmart and watch all the fights. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sports thing. I just love to see civilians fight themselves over a PlayStation Four <laughs> or a, or a TV. I, I, you always throw football on Thanksgiving. You always take everybody goes out in the yard and they toss the old pigskin. I mean, you throw football. You used to do the turkey bowls, which were the the game when you were younger. You'd play the uh, basically tackle football games uh, before we all got concussions. But as you get older, you just go around, you throw the football and complain how your shoulder aches. And then you watch the Lions lose and you watch the Cowboys yep. win. Yep. That's my tradition is watching the Lions lose every year. The one thing, the tradition I will miss this year, because she has left us, she's gone on to the great beyond, was watching Aretha Franklin take five hours to sing the national anthem. (laughs) Am I piling on, Paul? No, 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 no. She she did it her way. So, well, that's Frank Sinatra. Uh, She did it with respect. Yeah, that's R E S B C T. Yes. The Three Cowboys dads, how many more puns can you make? Before she finished, the Cowboys were kicking off. That's how bad it was in that respect. What's, your, what's the all-time favorite Thanksgiving game you've seen at, on Thanksgiving? The best football game you've ever saw on Thanksgiving? Oh, wow. Um, one year we had snow up here in Michigan, and my brother and I went and played out in the snow. And it was the funnest time ever, and that was the funnest Thanksgiving game. Of course, I'm a Lions fan, so that explains a lot. You don't remember say, they're the, in the dome. <laughs> you remember the Cowboys game with Leon Lett and the missed kick by the Dolphins, and Lett touched the ball, and the Dolphins actually recovered and won the game. Especially when the Dolphins had Marino when they were good. Clint Longley uh, winning against the Redskins, 1975. Uh, oh, wow, there's so many great games. 1972, Oklahoma and Nebraska, the national championship, one versus two. And, that was uh, Thanksgiving? Yeah, 1978, uh, overtime, David Williams of the Bears returned uh, kick in overtime. It was the shortest overtime over. There's uh, usually been some great games. The, the original Harbaugh Bowl, the first time the Harbaugh's played against each other. It was a night game. The 49ers and the Ravens two years before they met in the Super Bowl. There have been some great Thanksgiving games. There has. All right, Paul, any final qu- final thoughts for the uh, the podcast? I'm looking forward to a turkey dinner and a nap. Yes, sir. Ernest? Be careful because the turkey you're looking for might be yourself. <laughs> what? Wise, <laughs> wise words from, from a man who is sometimes wise that'll be uh, that's the again uh from our sponsor pepsi have a cold one this is chris dangio saying remember to spade and neuter your animals have a safe and fun thanksgiving we're out